morning. It's good to be with you again. It's been almost like a year later. Um, it's hard to believe what one year has done and where we are, but uh, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord with each and every one of you this morning. It's always a privilege to come, and thanks to Pastor Mark and the board uh, for inviting me back and, um, and for that introduction this morning that was way too much for me. <laughs> so, But uh, I'm so glad because I'm here this morning to preach from one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, it's actually one of the smallest books, and you'll know why I'm saying that in just a few moments. But there's so much packed in this book. So if you've never read the chapters of Jonah, then uh, you need to take some time and look through it because it's a pretty spectacular um, story. Because somewhere along your life, I'm sure you've heard the story of Jonah and the whale, maybe through a TV uh, movie or read as a story book or maybe possibly some cartoon you've shown one of your kids. So let me, let me give you, just in case you don't know this story, let me give it to you in a bit of a, a nutshell uh, this morning. So it's a story of this guy who doesn't want to do what God has asked him to do. So God puts him in the belly of this great big fish, and then he lights a candle, and the whale throws him up on shore, and then he becomes a real boy for the rest of his life. Okay, maybe, maybe that's not quite how it goes, but there's some similarities uh, to that. But we're going to look at a story this morning that's considered to be kind of a kid story that maybe you've heard in Sunday school, um, but the truth of this reluctant prophet is that Jonah will speak into our lives this morning if we're willing to hear what the Spirit of God wants to speak to us today. So let's start today in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It'll set the context of the message uh, this morning, and this is what the Word says. It says, the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And this is what God said. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And then in verse 3, we see Jonah's unfortunate response to God's calling of what he's asked him to do. And the Bible says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port, and after paying the fare, he went abroad and sailed for Tarshish to do what? To flee from the Lord. Folks, Jonah was a man on the run. So I wanted to give look at some meaning this morning if you're taking notes, which I always encourage you because 72 hours from now, you're not going to remember a word I said. So it's always good to take notes, and I encourage you to do that this morning. So if you're taking notes, first of all, Jonah is known as the reluctant prophet. He was a prophet of God that often did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. We see that in Scripture. But in this particular story, we're going to see that Jonah does something that God did not intend for him to do. Now, Jonah's name actually means dove. He was called dove. He was called the peaceful one who ends up disobeying God and now is known as the reluctant prophet. The next word is Amittai. Now, that is his father's name, and Jonah was the son of Amittai. Amittai actually means truth, which is a great name of a prophet's son to be called the son of truth. 
Now, Nineveh was the city that Jonah was commanded to go to and to preach to, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and Nineveh was Israel's absolute most hated place and people by the Israelites. And you're going to see why in just a moment, and maybe we'll understand why Jonah was so reluctant to want to go to Nineveh, because when it comes right down to it, we all have a little bit of Jonah in us. So Jonah chapter 1 says this, and would you say this with me if you throw the the words up there on the screen from Jonah chapter 1. Would you read this with me? It says, the word of the Lord, okay, saying with me, let's try it again. (laughs) The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let's stop right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The good news is the word of the Lord will come to you, church today because God is a God who loves to speak. Whenever God created, he said, let there be and there was. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and it became flesh and dwelt among us. God is a speaking God. God created Adam and Eve because he wanted to love and to be loved. He wanted to speak and he spoke with Adam and even the cool of the garden. Our God is a speaking and God. And throughout history, we can see many times throughout history and through scripture, how God speaks through his people, through the audible voice, through through theophanies, through prophets, through circumstances, by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never heard the voice of God, possibly this could be your day where God will speak to you and you can simply just open his word. And, And just in case someone, maybe you're visiting for the first time, I don't know everybody here, but you could have walked off the street. You could be here for this the first time in this church. But I want to show you something this morning because this is his word. This is the Bible. It's described as living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a word that pierces. It's a word that's truth. It's a word that transforms. And the word of the Lord will come to you and God will speak to you in some specific way, shape, or form this morning. It could be something in your life you're dealing with. It could be a way to shape your life, to maybe bring different direction to you. But the choice is going to be up to you. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to be obedient to what God is asking you to do, or you will be just like Jonah, and you'll be disobedient. But the word of the Lord will come to you. That's the good news. The challenging news for many people, if you're taking notes this morning, this is my first point, when God comes to you, he will often ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. Anybody relate to that? God's asked you to do something, and it's just like, oh. And the reason we don't want to do them is because often we think, hey, God, I, I, I know my life. I don't, I don't really need to do that because I know me better than you know me. Well, that isn't true because if he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and as an author, he has the script, the pen, the crayon, the marker in his hand, and he's writing our story, and then we take back that, and we begin to write our story according to what God's not doing, it sort of becomes a messy story. And God's like, maybe you should give me back that pen because I am the, I am the author. 
And I'm sure many of us can say that we've been guilty of doing that. And this was the context of Jonah. And we can see this take place in in verse 2 of chapter 1 when he says, go to the great city of Nineveh. And what does God want him to do? He wants him to preach against it. Let's just face it, folks. I mean, could you imagine being a prophet in those days and God telling you to do something like that? Like, that's a major word because it's wickedness has come up. Before me. Now, maybe you wonder why is Jonah so reluctant? Why? He's a prophet. He does this all the time. God speaks to him. He does what God says. He takes his assignment and it's done and over with. Well, when you understand the history of Nineveh or the Syrian Empire, you may understand why these people were so hated and why Jonah did not want to go. The Syrian Empire, of which Nineveh was the capital city, whenever it was was rumored that the Assyrians were coming to attack, people took notice. Their ears went up because these people come in and they attack brutally. And what they would do with the captives of the city was just horrible. So let me just give you some history about what happens It's been told in history that they would torture them and they'd be so destructive that occasionally when a city found out that the Assyrians were going to move in and attack, it was rumored that the entire town would do a mass suicide because they would rather die that way than at the hands of the Assyrians. And if you look and read into history and through commentaries, you would find out that they would go in, they would kill, they would rape, they would handle children in horrible manners, and then they would take the men of the city, they would literally skin them alive and bury them in the desert sand up to their necks and leave them there all through the night while listening to Justin Bieber's baby baby. (laughs) That's torture right there enough, but no, that's not what happens. But the truth is, this is what they would do. They would come in, and once these men had died, they would go in, they would behead all the men in the desert, bring back their heads, and build like a pyramid in front of the city as a, just a, a sign of anyone who came by saying, this is what we've done. We've attacked this city. We want this noted. It was awful. So maybe we can see through this piece of history why Jonah was so reluctant to go to, to Nineveh. And maybe we can sort of give him some grace because of that. And maybe this morning you might be able to relate to his reluctantness because the word of the Lord will come to some of you and you will hear God specifically say things that he wants you to do and you're like, God, I, I don't know if I really want to do that. Maybe, maybe God has spoken to you to forgive somebody that's hurt you. Maybe he's spoken to you to forgive a loved one that has hurt you or has hurt one of your own family members, and God's asking you to forgive because we have been given much and been forgiven much, and God's asking you to do the same thing, and you're like, God, I I don't think they deserve that. I don't think I really want to do that, or maybe God's speaking to you this morning, or maybe he's spoken to you and said, hey, I want you to give a little bit more to this church. I want you to bless the ministry of Pastor Mark and the leadership of Kingsway. But you hold back and say, and there's so many different stories and some uh, different scenarios that we could paint this morning that talks about what God may be speaking to you that you've held back. And if you're writing notes, write this down because you need to remember this, that delayed obedience, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still 
disobedience. Jonah said, I don't want to go there. I don't want to have anything to do with those people because they really, really upset me. So the first point is God will speak to you and he may tell you to do something you don't want to do. But whenever God speaks to you, point number two, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. You can always find a ship moving in a wrong way. And some of you know what I'm talking about because God has moved on you and then all of a sudden these different circumstances, you start weighing things out and people come in and, and discourage you from doing what you, what you think God is talking to you. And, but God says to Jonah, I want you to preach to the Ninevites. And in verse three, he says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord then headed for Tarshish. Then he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went abroad and he sailed for Tarshish. Why did he sail for Tarshish? Because God, because Jonah wanted to run from God and he wanted to run as far as possibly he could. Now, look at this. A little map for you. So you see Nineveh, you see Joppa, and then you see Tarshish. 2,500 run. Like this guy is like booking it as, as far as God's saying, I want you to go east. And he's going, I know God, I think I'm going to go west. But 20, I mean, that guy's running. And some commentaries would say that for him to go from Joppa to Tarshish would take a full year for even to get to the destination that he was going. Folks, that's a, that's a lot of running. That is a lot of running. And this morning, you may be sitting beside someone who thinks you're absolutely on track with your life. But you know in your heart, you've been running. And you're a long way from God. And the word of the Lord is coming to you this morning. And God is speaking to you. And it may not have happened in a day. It may have not happened in a week. It could have been months. It could have been years. And, and, and you're like, well, no, I know I'm not where I, I need to be. But let, you need to understand something. You can only run for a while. You can only run for a while because you can't run forever. And I know that because there was a part of my life that I ran so hard that I wanted to get away from God. And the more that I ran from God, the more I ran into God. You cannot run forever because it will catch up to you. Or maybe you're not so much running as you might be Drifting. Now we can. We've been to beaches. We get that. You you take out your little you know rubber dingy thing that you bring to the beach, and uh, you get in it, and you just grab your your whatever you're drinking, and you're in there, and you're floating, and all of a sudden you realize how far you've sort of drifted from where you were on the beach. You're like, wait a second, like my my like I'm way over there. That's where my towel is. That's where I start. How in the world did I drift this far away? And how often do we drift and not know that we're even, even drifting? Some of you, it could be maybe months. It maybe could be years. And you were really, really close to God. And you will understand what I'm talking about because you had those God epiphanies. You you had those moments where God was speaking to you. You were in church all the time. You were reading his word and and God would speak to you through his word. And all of a sudden, what you're reading just jumps out at you. Like, wow, I've I've read it a million times. And and yet, wow, God, that, that, or you're in prayer and you're speaking and God's speaking to you. and, And all of a sudden, you're you're drifting and it's maybe church once a month or maybe it's sort of backing away from the word of God or even backing away because of lack of prayer and then all of a sudden you realize 
how did I get so far from God? So it wasn't so much that you were running as it was drifting. And when we disobey the commands of God intentionally or even unintentionally, we are in danger of drifting and we're separating ourselves from the creator. That's the Jonah in all of us. And the word of the Lord will come to you. It may not be what you want to hear, but when you run, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. And some of you are on the run right now, and this third point this morning may speak to you that when you're on the run and doing the wrong thing, God just may send a storm to grab your attention. Let's, let's read these verses in Verses four or five. I'm going to read them right off the screen here, guys. If you bring the so, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So understand what's happening here. These sailors are not ignorant to storms. They, they sail all the time. So we have to believe that because God sent the storm, that this was a supernatural event that has occurred. And you see this was supernatural because these, these sailors were scared. They were freaking out. They were worried to the point that they begin to call out to their own pagan gods for help. And then they begin to throw even valuable cargo over the ship just to lighten it because the integrity of their ship was at risk and they knew it. So I'm asking you this morning, when you were on your ship and your storm arrives, what cargo on your ship needs to be thrown overboard to lighten the burden that you're carrying? What are the people that you've surrounded yourself with that you need to throw off of your ship because the integrity of your ship is at risk and you know it? God had a purpose for this storm. And God will allow storms to come into our lives. And there's been supernatural events, both in my wife and mine, mine's life, to steer me back to the love of God. And as much as I hated being in those moments, I thank God for the times that he brought me through those storms because I am who I am today. Let's continue to read here, verses 6 through 10. The captain went, um, actually, but Jonah had gone below deck. This actually blows my mind, folks. Think about this. The storm comes up, and Jonah's go below deck, and where he lay down to sleep. I, I just think about that for a second. He went into a deep, not just a sleep, he went to a deep sleep while this, this storm is happening, and the captain went to him and said, Jonah, how can you sleep? You need to get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. In verses 8, uh, 7, then the sailors came, said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who, uh, who it is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? 
and they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. So, so this is what's going on. These sailors take a lot. They don't know what to do. It's, it's crazy. So they take up this little lottery thing. And of course, when they cast those lots, what happens? It's Jonah. They find out it's Jonah that is the issue. And in verse 8, when Jonah comes out and they say, who are you? And he comes back and says this, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them. Absolutely. What have you done, Jonah? What in the world have you done to cause this storm to come upon us? He was running from God. Scripture says they knew it. So Jonah, even though he declares himself as a Hebrew and served the Hebrew God, he was talking the talk, but he wasn't walking the walk. Can I just say this this morning and be a little transparent with you? I believe one of the biggest problems that's facing the North American church today is that we got a generation of people who call themselves followers of Christ but don't live like it at all. They can't distinguish you from the person who lives beside you that doesn't know Christ. It's a cultural Christianity that's in name only. It's a consumeristic religion and church that has to change. <coughs> Just because you're in church does not mean you're a Christian or because you worship God that makes you a Christian no more than sitting in Harvey's makes you a hamburger. You know? God is not something we do for an hour a week. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship that we've developed with this God of the universe. And forgive me if I'm so passionate about this, but this world has gone through two and a half years of hell. And yet we have the goods. We have the answers. We know this God that can give peace and love and understanding. And yet we've held back even to tell the people around us who have been broken in their marriages, depressed, lonely, The world is looking for peace in the midst of the storms in church. We've got the goods, and we've got to do something about it. The sails on this boat are freaking out. It's a huge storm. Jonah finally realizes, yeah, it's it's, it's my fault, and he knows something has to be done or someone's going to get hurt. So Jonah finally owns up to it in verse 12. And he's like, okay, guys, yeah, yeah. I just can see him getting out. He's been sleeping. He walks up nonchalant. I says, yeah, yeah, I'm the problem here, guys. Just, just, just take a hold of me and just toss me over. And the storm will stop. Well, what's beautiful, though, if we read in chapter, I'll, I'll read it here. It says, so the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to, to make the sea calm down? Pick me up, throw me, and it'll become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And then verse 12, 13, the next verse, this verse says it all. And when it comes to the attitude of the sailors, it said, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life and do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. It just absolutely blows my mind that these men, these sailors, still had enough love and mercy for Jonah 
that they even tried to, you know, grab the oars and the row, row, row your boat and try to get back to, back to shore, but that didn't help at all. <clears throat> and then they realized the only thing they could do was to throw him overboard. And remember, they were throwing cargo overboard. It was jeopardizing their very livelihoods of what they were doing. And it wasn't working. So they call out to God and say, God, forgive us. We don't want to do this. But if this is what needs to be done, then we will throw him overboard. And they did. And the sea went calm. Then something unbelievably bad in our human minds happens to Jonah. And if you know the story, the story talks about how he, God sends a big fish. And we say big fish because we say whale. But really, in the context, it never says it's a whale. We know it's a, a big fish. But regardless, it's big, it's nasty. And he's in, in the belly of a fish for three days. And Google that. It happens. People can live in the belly of a fish. It's It's crazy. But the beauty of this is my last point this morning is Jonah's nightmare, worst nightmare, was exactly what he needed. And verse 15, 16, and 17 tells the story. They took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea became calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. Now, check this out. I love this. It says, but the Lord provided a great fish. The Lord provided the first underwater submarine ride for three days and three nights. But what's beautiful about this is that God provided. And sometimes we go so quickly over the scripture to understand the way that God provides for us may not come the way that we think. But the fact of the matter is God provided and God saying, do I have your attention now, Jonah? Where are you this morning? What's your nightmare? Is it financially? People are struggling this morning. People are struggling across this world financially and God is trying to get people's attention. Maybe it's a relationship you're in and you're thinking, well, can this get any worse than what it is now? Is it ever going to get better? Better? And God's saying, hello, do I have your attention yet? Hello? And now um, what I'm not going to say is that I'm not going to tell you that everything that happens to you is, is God causing these bad things in your life. I, I don't believe that, but I, what I do believe is that God will cause circumstances and situations to take place in our lives to say, hello, do I have your attention? And what becomes our greatest and worst nightmare could possibly be the escape that we need if we would just listen to God. And how do I know that? Because in 2012, my life was spiraling out of control. I was in ministry, serving ministry, but not the God of the ministry, doing everything that was expected of me, doing way too much, putting my wife on the back burner, my kids on the back burner, and our marriage was suffering, and it was on the verge of a divorce. And God's like, hello, Ken, do, do I got your attention? You're losing it, and you're drifting, and you're not even recognizing it. Do I have your attention? Six years ago, Julie and I put a video together that sort of describes that scenario of our life, which was our worst nightmare. I may have played it years ago at this church, but I'm sure there's new people here this morning, and I want to play this video again, which helps sum up what I've talked about this morning that was our worst nightmare and what God did 
to turn that around. Watch this video. Hi, my name is Ken. And my name is Julie. And we are Overcomers. So we've been married for almost 26 years. And um, Julie and I often talk about just what you bring into a marriage before you're married. Some of the, uh, the baggage and, and things that um, come into a marriage and you, know, you think you know each other and a typical happy couple getting married, that was good. And, and years go on and got involved in ministry and um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good and, until God began to work in, in, in my life, specifically my life. Just uh, I was in a real dark place and I, I pretty much just um, was uh, giving up on life, just giving up on my marriage. And uh, well, our marriage was over. Yeah, probably at that time it was. It was done. We were just, uh, I guess, putting on the, the facade, you know, going to church, making it look like everything was okay. And really deep down, it, it wasn't. It was mostly me. Um, Julie was, you know, the best. She was always supportive wife. She was always there. But there's always things that you just you deal with in your heart, in your life, and 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 you think you're doing okay, and and really you're not. And I would, you know, get on stage and lead worship and, and make up everything's great. And I was really I was burning out. I was just all kinds of things happening in my life, and and um, I didn't realize how how bad I become. And then things just kept compounding and compounding. And uh, just, we just broke. I broke. It got to the point where the marriage was just finished. And he was leaving. He was going off to Toronto. And I was going to be with the kids, the three kids. And, and I got to a real dark place and just told God, well, if this is how things were going to be, and if he wasn't going to protect our family and our home. And I felt like Ken was just so far gone that there was no hope for our marriage. There was no hope for him. And I just got to the point where I just said, I'm going to live my life as a Sunday Christian. I'm done. I'm done with praying. But God woke me up at around 5 o'clock in the morning, and I heard this audible voice tell me that out of your brokenness you're going to move mountains and Ken had just felt like there was no hope for him that's how he felt and that's what I felt and that's why he had just given up that there was no light at the end of the tunnel but God spoke to me and said out of my brokenness that I would move mountains and then he spoke to me and said just as an author writes a story that I was to keep my eyes on God, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And just as an author writes a story, so God was writing a story of our lives page by page and that he was going to fix this. And I came across a verse in the Bible and I said to Ken, you need to listen to this verse because this verse says that... Well, I mean, it was really a verse that was really... The, the transformation of my life was this verse. And it was um, taking, Take. every, taking every thought into captivity that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And Julie had shared that with me, and, and I, I realized at that time, as, as dark as it was and hitting bottom and not seeing a way out of, of what I was going through, um, that, that scripture rattled me, and I couldn't, I couldn't get that in my mind. And, um, and so... 
It was one night I was just, I was in bed, I was sleeping, and, and it was almost like God spoke to me. It was a scripture, and in the dream, it was a prison cell, and it was like um, the, the, the prison cell was, th- was shut, and the, the key was tossed to the side. And it was like God was speaking to me, saying, you know, everything you're going through, all those thoughts that try to come against you, which are coming against me, you need to just lock those up, throw the key away, and, and just never remember anymore. Like, walk away, because you can make it through this situation. And it was like a light went off. It's like, yeah, captivity. Someone who gets captured is, you know, is thrown in prison, and they lock the door and throw away the key and walk away. So that's what happened. I had to just walk you know, walk away from that and to, and to take what that scripture was saying. And it was so powerful to me. And I will hold on to that scripture. And, and we will always understand, you know, what we went through didn't define who, who we are today. At that point, I was like, I'm not willing to, to give up. We're going to make this work. And we will overcome these obstacles and overcome these situations in our life. Because all things are possible things, through Christ who loves us. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are today going on 26 years loving each other even more and uh not always easy that's the way life is but uh overcomers right right overcomers (laughs) overcomers i'll tell you that's intense even watching i can't tell you how many times i've watched that video and and the way it stirs up feelings within my heart, because that's what we would have called, at least at that point in our lives, our worst nightmare. And we didn't see, I didn't see a way out of that. And it certainly was. And that storm that I went through shaped me to be the person that I am today. So the, Lord, the word of the Lord will come to you and you will have a choice. It's what happens to me. You're either going to obey or you're going to disobey. When God speaks to you, you can either do what he says or you can find a ship that's sailing in a different direction. And if you do not obey, then you can guarantee he's going to send you a storm that's going to grab your attention that could allow you to see your, your worst nightmare. But when God does that, and that was the one thing that I had a hard time recognizing at first, is because he loves us. That's what it comes down to. God loves us. And he wants to steer us in the right direction. And so often we come to church and we look like we have it together and we're too afraid to be vulnerable because we're afraid of what will that person say or think or what happens if this ever gets out that mm, I'm not really the person they thought who I was? And I can say that because that's exactly how I felt. We have to come to a point in our lives that we just say, I don't care. I just don't care. I just need to get back. I need to get off this boat and I need to get on track to where God is calling me. And so this morning, God is saying, I got something for you to do. It could be impacting a small group. It could be impacting a large group. It could be impacting a city, but the choice is going to be up to you whether or not you decide to obey whatever God is speaking to you this morning. My prayer is that you come back to him. My prayer is that you listen to what he's telling you 
Stop drifting. Stop running. And just come back. Let's pray. Father God, we just, um, we ask that your spirit would just, just draw us back in this place this morning. That you would help us, Father, to listen to your voice and not all the other voices that sometimes muddle up our minds and we really don't listen to you and what you're saying. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move this morning to encourage, to strengthen people here in this amazing church today. And with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, let's just make it a personal moment this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but I do want to pray with you in my closing prayer. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're just, you're drifting. You may not be running, but you're drifting. You're just not where you were. You, you look where you were years ago when you first gave your life to Christ, and you see how far you've drifted. Or maybe God's spoken to you, and you really haven't listened to what God is saying. And this morning you say, this is the, the defining factor. This is the moment. And I need to get back. If that's you, just put your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this morning. And with heads bowed, is there anyone here? You say, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Anybody else here this morning? Say, yeah, just in your closing prayer this morning, can we just, just pray for me? I just I need to get back to where I was. I need to hear the voice of God. Anyone here? It'll be honest enough with this person who's raised their hand this morning and says, yeah, pray for me this morning. Anyone else here this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just honesty. That's all it is this morning. Anybody else before I close the service today? Say, say, pray for me, Ken. I just need God. Thank you. I always wait because there's always that one that just, it's a little hard. Is anybody else this morning? Thank you. God, the beauty of of coming to you is that you pour your love out on us because your grace is like an ocean. And this morning we're immersing ourselves in that knowing that God, these hands that have been open and honest and transparent with you, God, you don't despise that. Broken hearts are what you look for. And so I pray for every individual here this morning that has raised their hand, that God, that you would just remind them of who they are and how valued they are in your eyes as their father. And I pray, God, that you would just overwhelm them with the love that only you can give. And I pray, God, that they would see themselves as overcomers. And God, maybe they don't see that right now, but I'm praying that, God, as they continue their journey in you, that they would talk to an elder or an usher or someone they can trust to to open up and to be vulnerable to so that, God, that you can continue the work in their lives to bring them back to where they need to be. God, would you do that this morning? Would you declare it? In Jesus' name, would you stand this morning? We're going to sing this chorus one more time. Christ alone. I want you to sing it with passion. I want you to sing it with all your hearts this morning, Kingsway. And let's sing it to the creator in this place who has moved in and has worked on hearts today. 
And I'll, I'll stick around here. If you want prayer this morning, I'll be happy to pray with you. My wife is here with me. We'll pray with you. Um, if you have that boldness and want to say, I lifted my hand, would you pray for me? Then let's do that. Let's sing this this morning. Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak made strong. In the Savior's love. Through the storm. He is Lord. Lord. It's always a pleasure. Love being with you guys. And I pray that you'll walk in the grace of God this morning in victory. Uh, we'll stick around for prayer, but thank you so much, Kingsway, for allowing me to come once again. And may God bless you in this week as you move into the rest of the summer and fall. And God's prosperity and health and love will be all over your lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good night.